Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast. You're on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush back here with you after what was mostly a summer off. And I guess, Phil, what we like to say is no news is good news usually in the summer. When we don't have too many things to talk about, it usually means there wasn't any, like... Like program shattering news hmm. over the summer. We had a couple check ins. If you got some of those, but uh, uh, again, I was glad that we didn't need many podcasts over the summer. Yeah, uh, to, Wojo to exciting summers is Shaka to boring summers, and I got to say, I'm fully in the boring summer camp. Yes, it's much more fun when like the focus of the podcast is like the current team as opposed to like the highlight of the whole year is talking about the uh, TBT team as we were kind of in that mode for a few years or uh, thinking about the good teams of the past. But boy, this team is great now. Uh, what we're basically going to do, this is kind of, I guess, maybe kind of the kickoff to our podcast season. We're not going to be weekly just yet. But uh, for those of you who may be new to the podcast, new to team, the team, like maybe you're just jumping on the Marquette bandwagon. Now is a hell of a time to jump on. Yeah. I'll say that. Uh, oh my uh, God. Can you imagine if you're an incoming, you're a freshman now at Marquette? Sweet. Yeah. Lord. I, I, yeah. I, I, well, honestly, I don't know if that is a good thing because this team may spoil you for the rest of your fandom. That's true. Like, that's true. Said, like well, that, that's, uh, that's where we had the slow burn, right? We came in at the beginning of the Korean era and we had. Yeah three years of of ramp up to be like okay the, this we we don't go to final fours all the time so that by the yeah. time we got to our senior year it's like oh okay this feels great also we yeah. should appreciate it yeah but uh, still yeah again maybe if you're uh, new to the podcast or uh new to marquette basketball this kind of may serve as maybe a a catch-up maybe if you're not um <laughs> maybe dialed into what's going on with the team all summer long. And you're kind of maybe said, all right, who's on this team now? Who left? Who's coming back? We're going to do a quick rundown of that. Maybe talk about the roster, what it's shaping up like. Phil, you were at the practice, uh, the open scrimmage on Saturday. So we're going to get some of your takes from that. And we'll use that to kind of break down the roster. And then we'll uh, kind of take a look at the schedule. We're not going to necessarily go game by game just yet. But maybe some overall takes on the schedule, and maybe just uh, start talking about the team because it's that time of year, Phil. It's that it's almost you know baseball season ends, or you know mostly is over, and then we start talking about college basketball. It's time to start getting excited about college hoops, and that's where we are. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited and ready for for basketball season. We here in uh, in the great state of Wisconsin, we just went from. Um, you know, 80 degree weather to uh, fall vest weather. So we are, you know, as it as it starts to get a little bit brisk outside, my my thoughts turn to uh, to to hoops, and especially with uh, with this team we have in front of us, there's there's a lot to look forward to, and and so we'll we'll see. But the the practice, which I was excited, they did it. So they they had the practice at the Fiserv. Uh, if you listen to this, it it was Saturday, October seventh. And um, I don't know. I'm so so bad at estimating crowds. I'd I'd say there was you know 1,500 folks there. Um, you know, it was it was not like packed by any stretch of the imagination. But there was definitely um, 
it was definitely the uber nerds of of marquette there were there, there were some folks there that uh knew and uh, seemingly appreciated the podcast so that was nice um but it was it was cool because you got to like we sat in the third third row mid court um and and let me tell you the players look a lot bigger up front up in person <laughs> uh so uh david joplin i it it, it was funny because i made the comment to to the wife character i was like i know david joplin is six seven but like he seems to play like shorter than that but then when i was up close at on the court and like we got autographs afterwards i'm like nope he's a legit six seven i just it just he seems smaller than 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 actually is when far away yeah like you know guys like um like i remember i was one thing it was a random thing like back in the 90s or early 2000s it blew me away when i learned that jason kidd and tony gonzalez were the same height i'm like what jason <laughs> kidd is tiny but he's playing next to guys who were like seven feet tall that's why he looked tiny right <laughs> but yeah so yeah J- david joplin made look small when he's standing next to oso or ben gold but uh, when he's standing next to you or me, yeah, he, he's uh, gigantic. So uh, a little bit, maybe just a quick catch-up of the roster for those of you who may be not all the way up to date on who is gone from last year's team and who the new guys are. Good news is almost everyone is back. The yep. only starter that is gone from last year's team, the team that won both the Big East regular season and Big East conference tournaments, the only guy who left is Olivia Maxence Prosper, who was drafted by the Dallas Mavericks. He went in the first round. Great for him. Uh, he did a great job at the uh, NBA Combine. And as a uh, Dallas-Fort Worth resident, I am thrilled that he is now a Dallas Maverick. Definitely going to go check out a few more Maz games than I normally otherwise would. So Omax is gone. Um the other starters all back. Tyler Kolick, reigning Big East Player of the Year, he's back. Cam Jones, he's back. Oso, also back. Uh, he was first team. He was an All Big East player last year. Uh, Stevie Mitchell, he is also back. David Joplin, you just mentioned he was the Big East Sixth Man of the Year. He is also returning. And the three freshmen from last year's team: Sean Jones, Ben Gold, Chase Ross, all back. Departures via the tra- transfer portal: Marion Ellis, who was a nice player but just never got going because of injuries. Uh, he is uh, he is transferred out. He's gone to Bradley. Uh, Kian Atijere, also a guy who was promising like athletically but just never really got on the floor and probably wasn't going to get a whole lot of minutes this year he is gone he went to northern kentucky and uh, zach reitzel who was unfortunately he just never got to really play with marquette he was a fifth year guy got on the floor for like a game or two last year was hurt all year and now he has taken one more year he went to cal baptist which i think is a relatively new uh, division one team that's where he is this year. So four departures overall. Omax went pro. Ellis, Wrightsill, Etijere all hit the portal. Marquette did not bring in anyone in through the portal, but they did bring in four freshmen. Trey Norman, he's a 6'4 guard. Zade Lowry, he is a 6'5 guard. Uh, Al Amadou is a 6'9 big man, like power forward. And then uh, Caden Hamilton, he was a late addition, very late in the summer. He uh, he, he actually reclassified. He was going to do a... Uh, which got a post grad year at uh, one of those prep schools, yep. but Marquette says, "Why don't you go on? Why don't you come on down and enroll this year? We have a scholarship to spare." So the plan for Caden Hamilton is to redshirt. He is very likely not going to play this year, so he's going to essentially redshirt at Marquette instead of doing a prep year uh, at a prep school. But he's a six nine big man. He will be some nice depth for the front court starting next year. Now, Phil, you got to see all of those guys at the scrimmage. You, uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit there a second ago, but as a person who has gotten to see this new team 
uh, up close in person. Any takeaways, any surprises, uh, any overall takes of how the squad looks as we uh, start to ramp up for the coming year? Yeah, it, I mean, it was it was really great. Uh, it was a, I'll say this, it was a competitive game, right? And the gold team won, which I guess I'll ask you, were you surprised the gold team won as the, uh, um, you know, the younger team, so to speak? Yeah, so the gold team, so the blue team essentially had all the returning starters except for Stevie Mitchell, correct? Correct. Yep. Yep. And then, so the gold team was essentially all the young guys. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, from that perspective, yes, I would expect the starters to beat the young guys, but uh, hey, good for the gold team. Yeah, well, and it was interesting. And, and, you know, you can make of this what you will, um, but I will say the gold team, uh, Shaka. And Neil Barry were actively coaching the gold team, right? Like they were, you know, there, there were, there were a number of times from from our vantage point where you could very, very clearly hear hear Shaka saying things like "Al to your left, Al." Like you know, it it seemed to be Al was the one that was getting a lot of, um, let's say, active coaching. Um, but but Shaka was coaching the gold squad, and then Dwayne. Um, Hawkins, not Hawkins, Dwayne Stevens. Wait, who's the hey, uh, Hayes? Hayes. Hayes. Thank you. God, I, too many, too many Dwaynes in my in my in my head right now. Um, he was coaching the blue team, uh, and certainly was coaching during timeouts and all of that stuff. Um, but but was not actively coaching like during plays and stuff. So the blue blue team was actually kind of running itself, which I thought was was interesting. I mean, you would expect a lot of veterans. Uh, a lot of stuff going on there, but there was a lot of kind of player-directed self, uh, self-coaching self going on, which I'll get to in a minute. But just to kind of set the scene for everyone that wasn't there. By the way, it's DeAndre Haynes. DeAndre, DeAndre Haynes, moving Thank on. Thank you. Yes. Um, but to kind of set the scene, the way they ran the scrimmage was it was a 15-minute it was 15 minute half. So 15 minute first half, 15 minute halftime, then a 15 minute second half. But they did media timeouts and quote unquote media timeouts and all of that sort of stuff. So it was it was a shortened version of a of a typical game, which would be 20 minutes each half. Um, so they were they were trying to get into the flow. This is how we're going to operate. Um, I, I got to say the gold team played <laughs> even uh, the daughter character remarked upon the the gold team playing with the most energy you know she said to me multiple times the gold team just so has so much energy um which she's like three four right she's four yeah yeah so So, so that is a student analysis from a four-year-old correct um she will be on broadcast television at some point i'm convinced um perhaps a podcast guest in the future absolutely with 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 savvy takes like that we you know the sky's the limit for her but um certainly no worse than anything we're spitting out (laughs) correct and and certainly certainly better um but but again the gold team i think had more energy you know i i gotta say Chase Ross is just, you know, I think we've talked about in the past that we we could see Chase Ross taking a leap. Um, and I know it was only 30 minutes of basketball, but holy crap, I think next level Chase Ross is here. Um, like he was like hooping. Like he just, he, he was aggressive. He was playing defense. Um, he could almost get to the, to the rim at will. Um, you know, I was, I was terrified for my David Joplin stock a couple of times when, when, uh, Jop wagon was guarding chase Ross on the perimeter with chase with the ball, because, um, 
it, it ended about the way you would think it would be with, with Chase getting some some buckets. So, I mean, I think Chase Ross is is going to be pushing for significant minutes, which is interesting in juxtaposition to David Joplin because, you know, Shaka was quoted, I think it was a Ben Steele um, uh, uh, Journal Sentinel article that Shaka basically said um, David Joplin had cemented his his you know, being a starting starter in this min, in this lineup, right? He was he came off the bench last year. That's why he was sixth man of the year for the Big East. Um, but I, I think I think Joplin's going to start. But I think Chase Chase Ross is going to be pushing for some minutes. Yeah. So is it safe to assume that the other returning that all the returning starters still have those spots? <sighs> being, but, so Colick, Cam Jones, Oso, and Stevie Mitchell. Uh, yeah, that that's gonna be. I think Stevie's gonna be the interesting one. I I think, again, I, I Stevie Stevie is in shape. Um, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Man, that guy that guy has gotten chiseled. Um, and he and he played well. And he was probably on the gold team. He was the the most active leader on that team. So I I have a sneaking suspicion that Stevie is gonna start. I also think he's gonna finish games. Um, if that makes any sense, right? I don't know. Like, I mean, he definitely showed the ability to be a closer on defense right. multiple times last year. Right. So I think I think he's going to start and finish games. Uh, the question is, you know, I don't know if it's it's too early to say. Like, what are the the minute breakdowns going to be? Right. There's yeah. some more some more opportunities, but I, I would suspect he'll start, he'll finish, and maybe he'll play the same number of minutes. But yeah, I think I think it's fair to say that it's going to be Tyler. Uh, Stevie, Cam, Oso, and and it sounds like Joplin with Chase vying for that you know potential to mantle to to take over the sixth man of the year, right? Um, I think I think that's going to be the top six. Yeah, Chase definitely showed a lot of flashes last year to be a guy that can uh, develop to be a starter, if not a pro. Uh, down the road, right? It, like his, he just showed so much poise and confidence as a freshman that, like, man, what what a get he was in recruiting. Yeah. And I, I I'm curious to see who will be that guy this year because uh, I've I've heard a lot of good things about a lot of these guys. Particularly, I've heard people kind of buzzing about both Trey Norman and Zade Lowry. I, I got to say, Zade Lowry in person, like, and and no disrespect to. To, to Trey or, or quite frankly, Al Amadou, because I'll, I'll cover that in a little bit. But um, Zade Lowry stood out to me among the freshmen as as potentially the most basketball ready he had. He had a shot. He could get to the rim. Um, at the end of the game, he got fouled. And even even with some folks trash talking him, hit two clutch free throws to to maintain the lead and, and get the win. He played solid defense. Um you know, and and that's going against you know presumably four out of the five players that are going to you know be vying for a national championship if if you believe the you know kind of <laughs> kind of where where the team has has set its destination. So I I think it's going to be interesting to see how the minutes are distributed early because. Some of these players, especially the younger ones, probably need to be thrown into the mix and see what what life is really like as a Division One high level basketball player. Um, but I don't know how much you're going to spend doing it because the schedule is so tough. So 
Yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting. It's a good problem to have, at least right now, to think, well, how do we get all these guys minutes because they're all so good? But at the same time, sometimes injuries happen, and mm-hmm. you don't hope for that. And but So it's good to have depth for that reason. And what can really be tough sometimes, we saw this with Amari and Ellis, who I mentioned a minute ago, uh, if you get hurt early and you're a young guy – you may not give. You may not ever be able to get into the rotation right. because someone else just takes that spot, and like the team gets into a comfort level with the eight nine guys they're playing. It's like then it's tough for you to get in there. So uh, it could be tough if you if you get one of those setbacks early on. But you know injuries can derail any season, and hopefully Marquette does stay healthy this year. But uh, you know I there I've seen some early media clips, sound bites, articles. Uh, John Fanta posted a thread this past week. He of uh, Fox Sports and the Big East Digital Network. Um, and, like, a lot of the players, they were not shy. And I kind of love hearing this. Say, when they was asked, what are the goals this year? They're like, look, we want to win the national title. Yeah. And when you're a preseason top 10, top 5 team, no reason to shy away from that. Yeah, like they're saying, look, we know we're not the only team that wants to win the national title and can win the national title. It's going to be really freaking hard. But – why can that not be a goal? It, it is a, absolutely a realistic goal. And Phil, I, as long as I've been a fan, we have never entered a season talking national title. No. We've had seasons where we were excited. We've had seasons where we thought they could be really good. We've had seasons where we thought this could team could win a conference title or this team might, might you know, get to a Final Four. I think maybe we might have thought that back in 2009, maybe 2013, I don't know. But, um, like... Never, as long as I've been a fan, and probably for this speaks for pretty much everyone who is outside of the Al McGuire era, we have never entered a season thinking we can win the national title. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of shocking. One, because I completely agree with the talk, right? Like, again, it is a national championship potential. Um, mm-hmm. So I agree with that, but it is kind of shocking to... Right. To like so openly talk about that. I mean, you know, I think Cam Jones was interviewed by John Fanta um, and said, hey, you know, uh, Shaka Smart's birthday is April 8th. Uh, the national championship game is played on April 8th. So we're going to go ahead and get that for Shaka as a birthday present. Like that, yeah, love that, that. That, uh, that is bold, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, I love, you know, just there's, you know, no point in being shy about it. like, eh, well, I hope we can do it. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We we're just not sure. No, they're saying, look, we brought every, we brought almost everybody back. And when you bring back this level of experience, experience really, really matters in college basketball. Yeah. I mean the, the five star one and done things, those things are exciting and they're fun. And it's, it's exciting when those guys like become NBA lottery picks the next year, but really overall, th- these teams loaded with five star freshmen, don't do that well uh, when it comes to winning national titles. They, I mean, it's happened. We had the uh, the the Anthony Davis Kentucky team and the um, Jones Okafor Grayson Allen Duke team. They they won it all. But there have been a lot of teams loaded with five star freshmen that just can't go that far. A lot of times, these teams that win it all do have a good mix of young talent and veteran leadership. And, and now with Marquette's case, it's more about the veterans. Uh, now they have young, talented guys, but no one who's coming in as like a five-star lottery pick right. type kid. So, um, but what I'm saying is in college foot basketball, if you want to go deep in the tournament, if you want to win a lot of games, experience is a big deal. And returning minutes has shown to be a big factor in predicting who's going to be really good. And Marquette has that. 
Yeah, not only that, but I think the other part of this whole national championship, as the kids say, vibes, is that, um, like, it, it, you know, they. I think Shaka at the, you know, in the offseason talked about, hey, um, we have to go from being the hunters to being the hunted, and that's a different mentality. You've got uh, Tyler Cole. Yeah, we will not hear the phrase pick ninth at all this year. Right, right. And, and you know, you got Tyler Kolick's FM from last year, and, you know, and now he's posting, you know, pictures of himself, you know, with trophies and a championship ring, flicking the camera off, right? Like, you know, the, the team has a swagger. And, you know, I think what, what was very obvious from the game on Saturday is the swagger and the approach is it's a feature of the culture right like shaka is building an intentional culture and he's he's not building like these folks aren't arrogant like oh hey we're the greatest or we're gonna beat everyone or everyone else sucks and is losers this is uh hey look we're good we're talented we've got a shot to do this let's go do that thing and i and i think the intent is, hey, we've got to be confident and, and self-assured going into these games and, you know, and then take it from there, right? And I think some fan bases may, may take it as cocky or, or whatever, but I don't know. It, it's hard to say because we, we only are staring at the culture of our team, right? Like, it's not like we sit here and, like, watch a hundred other teams like a hawk, like we do Marquette, and get a you know a sense of their cultures and and what they are. But Marquette's culture is built entirely around like having talent and being able to acknowledge that yeah we should go do great things and not shy away from it. Because I would I honestly I don't know about you, but if we were downplaying the national championship potential, I'd be worried. I'd be nervous. Yeah, yeah. You know I think when Shaka took the job something he said at that time was the first couple of years are about culture and like the talent of the team is probably ahead of schedule. Like he probably did not expect, maybe he hoped, but he did not expect to win as much in his first two seasons as he did. But now what he did do is what he expected to do. And that is establish the culture that you were talking about. So now the culture is firmly in place and it's much easier to establish that culture when you win, right? It, right. it produces results and the players can buy into it. And say, okay, what he's telling us, it kind of works. Not just, it doesn't just kind of work. It works. And so now we buy into it. So now we're going to run it back and now we're going to do it again. And on top of that, the players who bought in all came back uh, right. He was not hit hard by the portal or by too many guys going pro. So the culture's established and the talent is way up there, as good as anyone in the country. And so, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm excited. And I think they're taking the right approach. They're talking about it, but they're not being arrogant about it, like saying it's ours to lose or anything ridiculous like that, or even saying they're the favorites. They're just saying they are a team that can realistically aspire to win the national title. Right, and get the and get to the final four and do that. So yeah, love that. I love the attitude. I, I you know I I tr and I have full faith and confidence and trust that what's going on behind those closed doors at the Al McGuire Center is uh, is preparing them for this journey because that's the thing that's that's tough when you when you fall short in the tournament last year you can't just pick up uh, where you left off last year you got to do it all over again you got to start at zero and zero and win all these non-conference games and then go through the Big East grind again and be, uh, you know, set yourself up for that tournament. And 
that's the uh, that's the frustrating thing about all of it. Sometimes is you can have you can be so good for thirty games, but a, a season can be judged on what happens in that tournament, and that's because right. that's how we determine the champion. And what these next thirty one games are going to be all about is getting Marquette in the best possible position to make a run in that tournament. And with the schedule they've put together, uh, this this is the type of schedule that if you navigate it well, Marquette could be a one seed. Yep. If if they win enough games, because they will have both the quality, uh, th- they will have the quality of opponents on top of if they can win enough games as they did a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know I think one of the the you know we'll, we'll get into the schedule here a little bit, but one one thing just a one last thing to note about the um, the scrimmage and I I tweeted it. One of the things that was really impressive. So the blue team was was struggling defensively. The the gold team was getting down and getting buckets, and they went on a pretty significant run. And and Cam Jones had been out and was coming in to check check in. And I was, I don't know, ten feet from him, right, fifteen feet from him, so I could I could hear everything. And he was just yelling at his at his teammates, "Hey, come on, why aren't you talking on defense?" Like like, let's get talking. And was vocal and loud. And was almost an, an additional coach there, right? And it's that kind of kind of you know accountability for each other that I think is going to help keep this team um, able to 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 attack the kind of schedule that they're facing, right? Like those those are players that are like, hey, we're we're we got to do this the right way, and we got to take the right approach that's going to help us win because the schedule. <sighs> You know, not to say it's a national championship schedule, but this is the type of schedule you put together if you think you are a national championship contender. Because, you know, there are a lot of tough games on the schedule, but if you win the majority of those games, you sure are looking at a top two seed, which I think most national championship uh, winners are, are coming out of the top two seeds in the last two decades. Not all of them, certainly, but a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bottom line is those, those give you the best odds, right? I mean, that's all you can do is play right. the odds and, you know, put yourself in the best position to get the highest seed possible and then just hope you get teams that you can beat along the way. And the higher your seed is, the 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 better options, the better odds you have of doing that are. But, yeah, you talk about the schedule, Phil. Uh, I don't know if we touched on the non-conference the last time we potted or not, but we can do it again anyway. There are only four, like, buy games, like, really easy, like, automatic wins in this schedule, and that's Northern Illinois, that's the first game, Ryder, that's the second, Uh, Southern, uh, which is after Thanksgiving, and then the last uh, non-conference game, which is against St. Thomas. Other than that, this is a loaded slate. You're playing... Illinois, that's your third game of the season. Then you're going to the Maui Invitational, which, by the way, has been moved to Honolulu, if you missed that news over the summer. I'm sure you're all aware of the fires that devastated Maui. It's just awful situation there. People are rebuilding their businesses and homes. Uh, wish them all the best, but just having the tournament there was not feasible this year. The, the arena that houses the uh, Maui Invitational, it, it was not damaged, but it's just so much around it was. And with, you know... People like out there partying and having a good time while most of the residents are trying to rebuild everything. It just didn't work, you know. So uh, it's moving to Honolulu at the University of Hawaii, which is kind of exciting because um, that's a bigger arena. By the way, on that note, um, we're recording this on uh, Sunday, October 8th. Happy birthday, Phil, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, the uh, 
the, I, I think in early October, they may open it up and sell more tickets. So if you're a person who wanted to go to Maui and didn't get in on tickets the first time, there might be some coming available really soon, which seems like kind of tight because that's about six weeks away now. Um, but if you're a person who's trying to get in on the Maui Invitational, keep an eye out. I would follow the Maui Invitational account uh, and see if there's any announcement. But anyway, you come back from Maui and you got Southern, which, by the way, is I think is great strategy, Brilliant. Phil, because I've heard from many coaches, especially John Calipari, who, who complains about the body clock thing coming back from Hawaii. So a week after Maui, uh, you've got uh, a SWAC team in Southern. So that's probably a good time to have that other bye game. Then after that, you got Wisconsin at that's in Madison. Then you host Texas and Notre Dame. So Illinois, Wisconsin, Texas, Notre Dame, and then the Maui Invitational, which is a loaded field that includes UCLA, Marquette's first game. Uh, win that one, you're probably facing Kansas. And then on the other side of the bracket, you've got Purdue and Gonzaga and Tennessee, Syracuse. That is just a crazy field. Yeah, well, I guess it, it's an absolutely crazy field. It, you know, if we're, we're casting wishes, let's pretend Marquette wins the first two in that tournament, who do we want to come out of the other other side of the bracket? Gonzaga, Purdue. Might, might as well be Purdue because Purdue might be the number one team in the country. I don't know. Not not sure who's going to be the number one team, but it's probably going to be Purdue or Kansas when the first poll of the year comes out. Um, might as well just be Purdue, right? Even though we played them last year and uh, almost beat them at their place. Yep, 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 yep. But um, if thing is, so if you've seen the Maui bracket. If uh, what what's going to determine if that's a like a great trip as far as strength of schedule or just a blah trip is that first game. Yep. That first game is everything because if you beat UCLA, then you're in all likelihood getting Kansas because Kansas plays Chaminade. Um, so unless Chaminade pulls off probably the greatest upset in the history of that tournament, uh, then you're getting Kansas. And so if you win that game, it would be. I don't know. That might be one of the biggest wins in Marquette regular season history, Phil. If you beat Kansas in Maui, um, that would be way up there because Marquette's only beaten the number one team in the country once yep Villanova uh, in reg in in the regular season exactly <laughs> funny that you know as maligned as Wojo's era was he has that on his resume he's the only coach in Marquette history to beat the number one team in the country in the regular season right wild stuff yeah but I anyway, mean hey he can uh, coach a rock fight what can I say yeah he did he did that but anyway so if you beat UCLA you've got Kansas and win or lose that's great for strength of schedule and then after that you're probably you're getting one of likely either Purdue Gonzaga or Tennessee because Tennessee gets Syracuse in the first round so I would I would think Tennessee wins that and then so it's you know whoever comes out of Purdue Gonzaga um, so that's probably what you're looking at there so thing if you think about it the other way if you lose to UCLA then you're probably playing Chaminade which is a worthless game as far as strength of schedule because if you win it it does nothing for you and if you lose it it's totally embarrassing and then you would just get one salvage game against I guess Syracuse would be or maybe Gonzaga I guess um, depending on how that thing goes so just think of that. You go, you go one way. You've got UCLA, potentially UCLA, Kansas, Purdue. You go the other way. You've got potentially UCLA, Chaminade, Gonzaga, or Syracuse. Right. So, so it's basically the UCLA game is a must-win. Plus, yeah, yeah. It, as far as like strength of schedule and potential to really put together a number one seed type resume, yes, yes. yes. Uh, because you, you want those games, win or lose against Kansas, Purdue, you want those games. Right. Right. Well, and, and that's, that's, you know, frankly, that's what you're measured against. Right. And, and right. with the experience coming back, you know, Purdue's going to have a lot of experience coming back. 
Kansas is going to have a fair amount of experience coming back. Not not as yeah, much. go ahead. Yeah, it, like Purdue, like they will have the same story as Virginia a few years ago. If they after losing as a one seed to a sixteen seed, can they run it back? with everybody and then win the whole thing the next year. Like that will be a long running storyline all year. Purdue's going to be great because they, they bring back everybody, uh, including Zach Eady. So um, yeah, but they'll be, they'll be great. Kansas will be great. Kansas lost a little depth recently. Uh, Arterio Morris got kicked off the team, but Kansas still brings back a lot of guys. They got some good freshmen too. So Kansas is always, but yeah, it's very likely Phil. I would say almost a definite that whoever wins the Maui Invitational will be the number one team in the country yep. uh, the week after Thanksgiving. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, and this is going to be what, you know, what we're measured against, right? Like if you, if we go in and lose to Kansas and, you know, let, let's say we win, you beat UCLA, but then lose to Kansas and lose to, uh, I don't know who would be after that. Probably guns. Let's say Gonzaga. If we, if we lose, well, Gonzaga the, plays Purdue. So you'd probably be looking at, uh, Gonzaga plays Purdue first. So one of those is going to the losers bracket. So you're probably playing, uh, if you lose to Purdue, if you lose to Kansas, you're probably playing, uh, Tennessee or Syracuse. Right. So, you know, and, and let's say we, you know, for some reason we lose to, to Tennessee and Kansas, right? Like, I think that dampens the national championship talk. Not not eliminates. Depends on how we perform, right? If you lose on a last second bucket, well, yeah, I mean, hey, you, yeah I mean, you still got a long way to go after that. But yeah, like right. you, you wouldn't be viewed as like a national title contender at that time. There's a Correct. lot of season to grow after that. Right, right, correct. But again, we should have. I mean, we've got seven players that that have have played clutch minutes right you know even if you look at you know sean jones in there and stuff like that we've got seven eight players we don't even have to depend on the on the freshmen uh to to field a very competitive roster so um it's just going to be a good measuring stick now i would also separately argue that notre dame based on the state of their program might essentially be a bye game which will be fun um, I mean, like uh, of the non-bye games that i think is the most winnable i'll put yeah. it that way yeah, you know, I, and I think it's, I, again, the schedule, I, I have to big, you know, round of applause to uh, to the, the powers that be that put the, the schedule together because I think the non-conference is, is brilliant, right? Like even that Southern thing, right? We get a full, the, the team will have a full 10 days from when they wrap in, uh, in Maui, or excuse me, in, in Honolulu um, to, uh, to when they play in Madison. Um, so that should get some adjustment. You get a, a game to get your legs back under you in Southern. I, no one should panic if we struggle against Southern. Like, yeah, it should be a win. it'll be a week of getting your body clock back on the uh, Central Time Zone. It, mm-hmm. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be a struggle for sure. So if they yeah, if they come out a little sloppy against Southern, don't freak out about it. As long they'll win, they, they, they'll be fine. But yeah, it's uh, again the body clock thing coming back. What is that, like a six-hour time difference? Uh, uh, coming back central, it's eight, I think. But I could be wrong. Woo. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's 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 a long one. You'll you'll uh, you'll have to tell me how it goes. Yeah, I, I, I am planning on being out there. So uh, come party with me if you can get some, uh, some of those extra tickets to uh, Honolulu. Looking forward to it. Yeah, Joe will happily accept your beers uh, beers from you in Honolulu. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I'll, I'll accept anything out there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that schedule – and then we know the Big East schedule as far as who we're playing, obviously. You're playing 
a 20-game round robin. You're playing every team twice, home and away. Uh, we don't necessarily need to break it down game by game, one at a time here, Phil. But it's like, is there any, looking at the non-con, is there any stretch of the Big East schedule that jumps out to you as, wow, that's really challenging, or wow, that's a lot back-to-back, or anything that really jumped out at you when the Big East schedule was released? Not really. The only thing I find fascinating is that you, we, you know, our, our, I would argue our four toughest games are the two against UConn and the two against Creighton. Would you agree or disagree? Uh, yeah, probably so. I, I think that's fair. I, I think going into this season, most are anticipating a three-team race for number one in the Big East with probably two or three other teams that are at least going to be pesky and could pull some you know upsets and like at least make the tournament out of the Big East. But as far as if you're picking a team to win the conference, it's going to be one of those three teams. So yeah, I, I say those four are probably our four toughest games, if not maybe four of our five or six toughest. Maybe going to Villanova may be tough this year. Maybe the Johnnies might be tough this year just because of the buzz, buzz around Patino or whatever. But um yeah, those are the four toughest games. You know, so I think I just think it's interesting that three out of our four toughest games are are going to be mid February and later, right? Like basically, you know, the last three weeks will deter of the season will de- of the of the conference season will determine whether or not we win the conference title again. I I you know I I just think that's how it's gonna how it's gonna shake out, right? Because we play. You know, and we play at Creighton and then home for UConn within four days as the 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 second to last games of the of the regular season, right? And then we have to go on the road to Xavier. Like that last essentially week of the conference season, that's that's gonna be a slog. Yeah, the the only thing that jumped out to me is when it comes to winning the conference title, uh the the two of the last three being the third to last game being at Creighton, the penultimate game being a home against UConn. That feels like closing time for yeah. whoever's going to win the title. Like, I think whoever wins it, they're not going to run away with it. And so I, I like I would imagine maybe going into that Creighton game, the top three teams are only going to be separated by a game or two. So if that's Marquette at the top, that would be the chance to say, all right, let's win these next two. Let's seal up the conference title. So that's kind of what the only thing that jumped out at me. But yeah, I always count like the the home games, the ones that are on weekends. Not that many. At, at, I think after the holidays, Marquette only has three weekend home games. Yep. Would have loved for more than that, but that's beyond Marquette's control. You just got to take what they give you. Um, they get Creighton at home over the break. The, the, I think that's part of that New Year's uh, marathon that the Big East always does. So uh, it's it's tough. It's a bummer that the students won't be on campus for that Creighton game, but hopefully the ones that live nearby or close enough for a drive that they'll still fill the place because that December 30th game against Creighton will be the first, like, really, uh, really big one as far as um, taking on one of the other top dogs for the for the conference title, but, but yeah, like there was nothing, there's nothing about the schedule that I thought was like, Oh man, this is BS or all oh, they got screwed or, Oh, this is a cakewalk. Cause you know, you gotta play everybody twice in some order. Um, and I think for the most part, the toughest games were mostly spread out, but, uh, but yeah, it does, it does kind of stick that they have to wait a while before we actually face UConn. Like right. it feels like we're going to be waiting a long time for that, that February 17th game, the first game against the Huskies. And, well, especially yeah, since, I, since Klingon has, uh, has, uh, some foot issues now, you'd rather get him early in the conference season. Exactly. As to yeah, yeah. He's, uh, 
he might miss some time. He, he may be ready for the regular season or not, but um, he'll probably be a full go certainly by by the time that game comes around yeah so it's 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 an interesting schedule it's a good schedule i i think the team is is probably positioned as best you can to 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 compete against that schedule and and it'll be it'll be fascinating to see uh how it all shakes out and you know we're we're a a scant month away like 28 days yeah very 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 exciting this is again this is excited as i think any of us age you know 50 or younger have ever been for marquette yeah. basketball well and how many how many games we're we're on like big fox and and ab you know we're on all the the major networks uh quite a lot like especially compared to what what happened last season right when we were picked ninth um yeah you know, Paint Touch has tweeted that out. I don't have it handy, but Marquette is on TV a lot. I yeah. mean, if you if you have basic cable, you will be able to watch every Marquette game this year. Especially, uh, like even if you have the most basic of television systems, you will see the biggest games because yeah, there is a lot of CBS, Fox, ESPN games. Yep. Um, this year, there is not a single awesome. game slated to be on any of the streamers. There's not, you know, we're not on FS2, we're not on CBS Sportsnet, right? So if you've got, I think there might be a couple of those. There might, there might be a couple of those like FS2, CBS Sportsnet, but yeah, the the overwhelming majority are on Fox, CBS, and FS1, which is really all you can ask. Oh, me. I do take that back. At DePaul is on CBS Sportsnet. Wow, gross. That house of horrors. But- but yeah, but there's nothing that gets lost, like you said, on a streaming service, or there have been a few years that maybe it's been on like a Bally's, which not everybody gets. Um, but yeah, that's not a, not the case this year. Yep. I mean, hell, even Northern Illinois and Ryder are on FS1. Yeah. That's what happens when you're good. Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> like when, we should do this more often. Yeah. Like when you're good, like I'm a, I'm a, uh. I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan because I, I went to high school in the Kansas City area. For those who don't know, but uh, like people ask why, like why don't you get Sunday Ticket? I'm like I don't need to. The Chiefs are on national television almost every week. Right. <laughs> like I don't, I don't need to get Sunday Ticket to get like two extra games. So like when you're when you're good, you're always on TV, and that's the case with Marquette this year. They will be. People want to watch that team. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, it is a beautiful offense to run. Uh, it is the. the that team was just a joy to watch all last year. Uh, the, the Tyler Kolick running that offense is art to me. Yeah. And I just, the guys around him compliment him so perfectly. And the fact that almost all of them came back is just uh, thrilling. Like I saw some quotes from uh, Oso. I think it was a Ben Steele article talking about how, yeah, he got some feedback from NBA scouts, but he, he just really wanted to run this back with this group. And uh, the, the, the Tyler and Oso show, is going to be something to behold. But, they, again, they have so many guys around them coming back with experience who are hungry, and they had that bitter taste in their mouths from that Michigan State game a year ago. But there's a long way to go between now and redeeming that in March. But I think they're focused. I think, obviously, they have the guy leading them 
in, in Shaka that's going to show them the way and keep the Shaka and the staff did a great job all last year of coming up with new ways, like new themes for mm-hmm. each game, new like something to make each game fresh. So it's not just a monotonous thing of practice, practice game, practice, practice game. All right, let's practice, practice game again. The, there was always a theme to each game each week, and you would see like maybe the walk-ons having something like a a bucket or something like that they would hold up during. It's like oh, okay that. That was the theme for the week, like so whatever that is, and uh, so he, he kept it fun and kept it interesting, and like the challenge is to keep that going for another full season and get it all the way back to March and hopefully April. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Well, and, and it's interesting they find new new things. Um, ben Steele did uh, did confirm. So I, I at the the scrimmage I heard uh, um, when there was a, a free throw going on, I heard Shaka yell out BFO. And I was like, I think I know what that means. <laughs> and, and and so I I don't know if they came up with the acronym. So it means box box the f out. Um, but I don't know if they came up with that acronym just because they knew there were going to be people in the audience that could hear what they were saying, or if if Shaka just has this penchant to come over with a, um, acronyms and as I would call them TLAs, three letter acronyms. Um, like, I don't know what it is, but like, he just has a penchant for, uh, uh, rolling out new and interesting, you know, creative ways to, to think about things and to engage with the team. And, and I think they'll, they'll keep it fresh, right? Like you said, they, they, you know, it's not like, you know, Shaka has one trick and one trick only. And it's like, Oh, here's the, here's the, okay, we got to do this thing because that's what we do every game. There's always there's always something new. And, and I got to say, as far as I can tell, the players are all in, which is great. Yeah. We should be all in. Yeah. Winning helps buy in and they have that right now. And I'm very much looking forward to it. So uh, we, that's why we kind of want to have this first podcast again, just kind of the, the warm up to the season. And for those of you who have been following the pod for a while, first of all, thanks. And secondly, uh, you know that we do our game by game picks before the season we will do that probably on our next podcast will probably be i don't know two three weeks from now um as we get ready for the opener which is november the 6th against uh northern illinois so that will be the first game of the season so we'll have that out to you by then uh spoiler alert phil you know i i i have always kind of embraced the role as the i guess pessimistic one for the wojo years i called myself the realistic one um Spoiler alert, I'm going to be predicting a lot of W's mm-hmm. on the schedule. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a lot, lot of fun. That's going to be a lot of fun when we do the game by game. Yeah, I, I, I got to be honest. I, I may have to talk to myself into not going 31-0. and 0. I may have to like say, like really have to dial back and uh, say, okay, let's at least pick a couple losses in here so I don't get too crazy with it. But uh, I love the team, man. And how can you not, right? How, how can you not love and not be excited? If you're not excited for this season, you will never be excited right. for any season. I, why are I'm you bothering to listen to this <laughs> yeah. podcast if you're not yeah. not excited for this season? Yeah, I go. Uh, if you can't get up for this season, I might need to pick another team or another sport or something else because this this is as exciting as it has been for a Marquette team and just hope it goes well and um, goes according to plan and that they get the full opportunity to do this. But I mean, you know, there's not like an injury knock on wood that derails anything or anything unforeseen that really throws this thing off track. Uh, 
that the, that the players get the chance to redeem, like get a, another shot at what happened last year in March because they came so close and last year was so good. Um, for everyone to come back and take another shot at it, I want them to get that shot. So, right. Yep. Let's get pumped for it. Yeah. Get excited, and we got again twenty eight days, so we'll we'll be back for another pod or two before uh, before the season starts. But uh, I'm I'm ready for it, man. Let's let's go. Yeah, and for those of you who are new to the pod, we do this every week during the season. Yep. So we usually drop a new podcast probably Sunday night, Monday mornings during the season, kind of a recap of the week that was and a look ahead to the week that's upcoming, uh, and then we'll do that all the way until the season ends, which this year hopefully will be after Shaka's birthday. Yeah. Uh, so you can uh, follow us on Twitter X, as I like to call it. Um, it's really a Sears Tower, Willis Tower situation with Twitter. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's like, just Twitter. I like yeah, it, nothing political, it, nothing, whatever. It's just Twitter. I, that's just what I'm yeah, going to call it. it. Yeah. I mean, people, I mean, they're like the Sears Tower has been the Willis Tower for what? Like 20, I don't even think it's now. the Willis Tower anymore. I think it's now oh, is something it not? else. Oh, is it really? I got I to gotta look this up, but I think it's something else now. But yeah, my point is like they changed the name. It, it may be almost 30 years now, but it was uh, it's been. A, but there are teenagers in Chicago who were born after that who call it the Sears Tower because no one has really acknowledged that it's anything else. No, I'm wrong. It's still Willis I've, Tower, but it's still Sears Tower. But again, who would know who cares? Because it's always been the Sears Tower. Right. <laughs> and that's why that's why I am with Twitter, too. I like I can't call it. Hey, follow me on X. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. No. And hey, I'm going I'm hey. to I'm gonna send out an X. Wow. That's just, yeah. that's. Uh, yeah. Like. Isn't that great? Hey, man, I saw you on X the other day. You saw me on what? <laughs> X. <laughs> that was a great thing you did on X. Wait, what are you talking about? No, it's Twitter. Okay. Anyway, follow us on Twitter X. I'm at Joe McCann three. Phil is M O O O F 23. Then you could follow at crack sidewalk. So that's the team handle. Um, you can go to cracksidewalks.com. We post the podcast there. We, uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we still have the Scrambled Eggs Facebook page as well. Phil, anything else to add before we get out of here? No, let's just uh, brace ourselves for the next 28 days. Get ready for a hell of a ride. All right, we're looking forward to it. We'll check in with you real soon with our season predictions. And again, expect a lot of W's in those predictions. And hopefully the season follows suit. Until then, seashells and balloons, everybody.